This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly podcast online, which covers the Celtics, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, February 7th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Thank God it is here. I'll be even happier when it's out of here, though. Winter is moving along nicely in 2016. Weather has been gorgeous here on the Hub. Gotten some snow in and out. I know Friday we got some of that heavy, wet slush. I don't particularly care for that, but very few and tough excruciatingly cold days and there's been a really lot of nice days i do not remember a winter even the non-winter of 2012 where it felt like i was in shorts this much but tonight is the super bowl which for me and this year it's as late as it's ever been has always been a checkpoint i love love when valentine's day gets out of the way that's when you officially know that you're on the back nine of winter anyways enjoyable celtic season is playing a small role in making this winter not seem like a typical winter here in Boston. And as many listeners know, we're giving away tickets to home games throughout 2016 right here until the end of the season. Last week, our big winner for the Clippers tickets for this Wednesday was at David2CK on Twitter. Enjoy the game. And Shane, don't want to announce anybody's last name on Facebook because without their permission, but Shane won a pair of Pistons tickets by liking our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Celticsbeat. Happy you got to see the team get a win back there on Wednesday. For a detailed list of all available games and how to enter these contests, head on over again to facebook.com slash That's facebook.com slash We are giving away tickets through the end of the season to lucky winners. I know we got a game coming up February 25th, the night of the NBA trade deadline against the Milwaukee Bucks, who will be here, who will not. Entry into the contest to win the pair of seats is simple. Follow me at CLNS underscore LHR on Twitter. That is at CLNS underscore LHR. That's it. You're in. We appreciate all those who listen, feel that offering our wonderful and loyal listenership, these types of opportunities to see the Celtics at the TD Garden here in 2016 is the least we can do. That and offer you some great guests Get some great people in here to offer some real insight in the comings and goings of the Boston Celtics and the NBA. And today, February 7th, just a few weeks before the trade deadline, all the trade talk is heating up, right? Or is it? How much of it is legit? What's really going on out there? Time to settle this once and for all. There is no better man to speak to than the basketball insider himself, Mr. Adrian Wojnarowski. He of the vertical at Yahoo Sports. And for our Celtics pregame segment for today's matinee against the Sacramento Kings, we'll bring in Celtics Stuff Live's Justin Poulin. So let's do this, shall we? This is the 143rd edition of Celtics Beat being presented today by American Farmers Network and Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. I got my new Casper mattress. It is so soft and comfortable. 
Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. The Celtics picked up a nice little win back on Friday night in Cleveland. I don't need to go into details too much on what happened, particularly the final eight seconds. I'm sure you've seen it about 10 million times by now. Here we are a week before the All-Star game. The team sits at 30-22. and 22. Yes, there are some tough matchups ahead. Team is yet to go out west. And that'll change soon, right after the All-Star break. I mean, they played Western Conference teams on the road, just not west, 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 west. Anyways, little by little, at least, let's hope that is truly the case, that this team is improving. Or maybe a group of players is slowly progressing, and some tough experiences over the last calendar year is sharpening the mental capacities of some of these players. I have got to give credit to Chris and the Facebook group for his analysis of the Knicks game. I know I've lamented much this year how the team, even against bad teams, they just can't win these ugly games, can't win with a B-minus game, let alone a C game. That Knicks game, it wasn't pretty. Thanks to Chris for pointing that out. I mean, it totally blew my mind, really, but I wouldn't suggest anybody to watch that game again, by the way. But they did win an ugly game, and a game like that may not have been a game the Celtics could have won last year, let alone God even a month ago. Same thing, the Pistons game blew. Okay, well, they didn't entirely blow, but in the process of blowing this huge lead, is that a game they would lose last year? There was a game against Detroit at home late in the year last year that they did lose at home when they blew a big lead. They ended up losing in overtime. That was a bad, bad loss. Now, maybe not. Marcus Smart, big shot. Obviously, he has been shooting the ball a hair more efficiently, but I'm sure you've been paying attention to that, plus all the numbers that have been thrown out there by our good friend Chris Forsberg on his Twitter, at ESPN Forsberg. And then, of course, Friday night, don't need to tell you, the Celtics did this, the Celtics did that, small ball has been working. What a great win. That was a great, great win. This team has gotten a lot of nice wins, even on the road over the last 12 months, but nowhere near of that magnitude. But is this a hot stretch? The team's won 8 of 9, and up until the Cleveland game, many of the wins weren't against the best of teams. Is this a hot stretch the same way the team struggled for a bit in December? I say no, and for one reason. I have been waiting for this all year. For the longest of time, they'd get a nice win here, a good win there. They'd win two or three in a row, but they'd always seem to drop a bad game, particularly at home. So it's great to see them now string a lot of wins together, finally. It would have been a great week either way had that Cleveland game not gone down the way it did, but that was certainly the cherry on top. But today, here we are back at it at the Garden, a Kings team struggling mightily, and our guest today, Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical, broke a story in the wee hours of Saturday morning that the Kings are mulling over dismissing George Carl following Friday's loss to the Nets. Damn you for doing that, by the way, Sacramento. So a team in the Kings that is not exactly firing on all cylinders, they're coming into the garden, should be money in the bank. No, well, I guess we're going to have to find out at 1 p.m. today or more like 3.30 p.m. And do not forget, CLNS Radio goes live with the postgame show on CLNSRadio.com after the game. And if you want to get your voice heard on the airwaves or on the postgame show, dial 347-215-7771. And for our Celtics pregame segment today, we will be joined by, as promised, Justin Poulin, co-host of Celtics Stuff Live and one of the hosts on the CLNS Radio Celtics postgame show. He's here right now. So, Justin, most impressive win the team, the franchise for that matter, has had in a very long time. They've now won 8 out of 9, as I said. In what you've seen not just the past two weeks, but now throughout the season, of we, we near the All-Star break. In your eyes, has this team really defined itself and placed themselves in a certain tear amongst very good NBA teams? 
Or are you still concerned that this may be just a little hot stretch as that funk around the new year may have been a cold stretch and you're still not entirely sure they can play at this level for the final 30 games of the regular season? Well, I mean, I think you always have to be cautionary, but it's really easy to just harken back to last year and say the things that worked down the stretch last year, Brad's gone back to right about the same time of the year this year. And so now we're seeing the success. So I think there's a lot of signs that says it's going to go this way. Obviously, everybody keeps talking about trades and, you know, why not in a pregame segment talk about Sacramento and Boogie because that's always been the hottest area yeah, for that. Yeah, don't, please. But, don't. but no, chemistry, chemistry is there. I know, you love it. <laughs> the chemistry is there, and so that's why you kind of worry about a trade, you know, when, when we hear a lot of fans talk about it. But I think the chemistry is there. I mean, look at looking at Friday night's game, to be able to get that win against Cleveland, that was gritty. The game was lost, and they hung in there. They fought for it. They seemed to want it more than they did through that first third of the season. So, you know, I, I just think a lot of times these short, narrow victories or losses before, and they just got they got their act together now. So I, I'm not saying that they're going to stay on this particular hot streak, but to stay in the hunt for that third seed, yeah, I absolutely think they're going to be able to do that moving forward. I don't think they're going to fall too far. What about some of that trade talk you mentioned about the chemistry on this team now? It is right, it is right now. It is very, very good. And we're going to find out how legit some of these stories really are when we get our guests in here in a few minutes. But does Danny owe it really to this team to keep it together unless there's a possibility to make a move like last year where you're g- giving essentially up nothing for Isaiah Thomas? He, he only owes this team to help it improve. And Brad Stevens owes it to the organization to make those moves work. That doesn't mean they will. Yeah, but would you but take roll the dice with, with a possible sideways move or something? It's tough for me to use well, an example because that would mean I'd have to you know, go through all these there's foolish no, trade ideas. But I'm there's sure no point in a sideways move. There's no point in a sideways move. It would be unnecessary, and I would, I would hope that Danny would know that. I mean, I think if you can add a piece like you did with Isaiah Thomas, I mean, remember, we – Danny helped Cleveland, you know, make space for LeBron, LeBron James by Tyler yeah. Zeller and the pick that became Isaiah Thomas. That's not a sideways move, and it really sparked this team down the stretch. So, no, he may not acquire the player. He might not upgrade to the young franchise superstar because, let's face it, they're hard to come by. And when they when you can come by them, they, they usually have attitude problems or some sort of conflict, which is a big question mark for the chemistry that's there. But could you add a player who's not a superstar and still put this team forward? Right, Absolutely. It just depends on what you get. <laughs> this is initially where I, where I throw in Greg Monroe. I'm, I'm starting to think that's not much of a possibility anymore. I'm actually thinking more and more I'm leaning to this team's going to stay pad at the deadline. They'll just cut David Lee or buy out David Lee. I don't think Danny Ainge will make a gamble in the sense of, say, Kendrick Perkins for Jeff Green type of thing where he's well, well, giving up. Let me, let me jump in on that with Monroe. Because to your point, if they could get a Monroe, and then that would be an upgrade over Sully, I'd be all about it. I know a lot. Of, I know you. You're not in Sullinger's camp, you know, most of the time. And you, you, you know, there's a lot of players who are so uh, souring. Uh, I mean, a lot of uh, analysts, including you know my co-host John Duke, that are souring on Jared Sullinger. But I understand why. The problem is, is he's the only guy on this team that can consistently rebound night after night. So I wouldn't, you know, a guy like Monroe would be obviously a beautiful fit there because you wouldn't lose the rebounding. That's my biggest concern. I see Sullender as a tradable asset, packaged with a future pick, not next year's or this year's, 
but one of the other first-round picks, if you could upgrade at that position, as long as you got rebounding back, I think that that would be a good move, and I don't think it would kill the chemistry on this team. I mean, do you think Sullinger is a key piece of the no, chemistry? Man. I know no, nobody wants no, to finagle no, no, with it, but don't you think he's expendable? Oh, of course. Of course. Like with and the and it, wouldn't dis- it wouldn't disrupt their progress, I don't think. No. But they need it- rebounding if they give them up. And even just the progress of the team has been making, Justin. I mean, I actually – I'm starting to believe it's becoming a trend here, a good trend here. I've lamented a lot this year that they aren't winning any games ugly, and they've been struggling mightily in close games. But Friday night, very rare close win for this team. When I had Brian Scalabrini on the show a little more than a month ago, it was he here, he here that he pointed out this team had yet to win a game that, where they did not possess a 10-point lead. That carried all the way to January 16th, I believe, against Washington. Go on the road Tuesday against New York. The team did not have an A game. Are we starting to see the team win those types of games? And obviously, too, goes without saying, hopefully this is part of the growing process and not just a couple of outliers here. Well, I think Brad is has decided who he can rely on. I think he gave the players that he wanted to give an opportunity an opportunity, and now they're on the bench, David Lee being the obvious one. But you look at that New York game, and Tyler Zeller came – you know, basically out of the catacombs. He rose from the dead. I mean, this guy had been sitting on that bench riding pine, and Brad went to him when he needed to change it up. He, there was no other player on, it, you know, no other forward center that was going to be able to come into that game and change the pace and impact it. I mean, without Tyler Zeller hiding and waiting for his opportunity, that New York game was a loss, guaranteed. So I think Brad has, has tightened up his rotation. I think he's a little bit more knowledgeable uh, as to this year's squad, who he can plug in when to get what he needs. And I think that's a that's a big part of it, too. Part One thing I've been thinking since the beginning of the season is that Brad was just tinkering and was willing to take some losses, you know, and that they really want to be streaking down the stretch. And that seems to be what we're seeing. I'm not saying he's doing it on purpose, but it sure seems like it. All right, lastly, we only have a little bit of time here, so we got to talk about the game today. This is the pregame segment, after all. We're only going to get to it briefly Curse the Nets for losing, uh, curse the Kings for losing to the Nets on Friday night. And then Adrian Wojnarowski went out and reported that the Kings are on the verge of at least mulling over firing George Carl. Got any keys to the game you'd like to provide our audience against that Sacramento Kings outside of play some defense and keep doing what they're doing? Well, let's just, let's just do the hot one. Marcus Smart has to get a lot of minutes against Rajon Rondo and lock him down and body him up. I think if, if when Marcus Smart is out there, if he prevents Rondo from from doing the playmaking, I mean that this is a sexy choice, right? You know, but but that is a huge key to the game. Another one is if the Celtics can get up early like they did in Mexico, then it's going to be huge for this team because we saw how quickly Sacramento quit in that game. I think the Celtics have an opportunity to do that again, and and they really do need to start out early and hot and score often. Try to get you know try to get Sacramento on their heels defensively and try to put up some points. I think if they get a nice lead, I'm not convinced that this Sacramento team, especially coming off the loss to the Nets, really is going to have the fight in them. I think they give up easy, and with the coach on the rocks, it's even more likely that something like that would happen. Justin Poulin, co-host of Celtics Stuff Live and the CLNS Radio Celtics post-game show, which you can hear after the game today on clnsradio.com. Justin, thanks so much for stopping by once again. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Uh, even I got caught up in a little trade, trade talk and the pitches there. And as I know, some of you people that converse with me throughout the week know how I feel about that. But listen, our audience, you drive the show. You drive the direction of this show. And that's where you want us to take 
the conversation. So we will go there. We will get to the bottom of things. Is there really any oomph behind any of these stories that have been going around all week linking the Celtics to certain players? We have got the man to do it, Adrian Wojnarowski, longtime NBA insider and now editor of The Vertical on Yahoo. He will be joining Celtics Beat after the break. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being presented by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper truly understands and puts a premium on what is best for the consumer. They know the importance of truly trying out a mattress, something in which you spend a third of your life on. Therefore, Casper offers free delivery and planeless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. And to save an additional $50 as one of our audience members, simply go to casper.com slash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back into the show. Well, here we go. Let's bring in Adrian Wojnarowski, editor at The Vertical at www.sports.yahoo.com slash Woj, sports.yahoo.com slash Woj. Our interview with Woj is brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Is your New Year's resolution, like those of many, to lose the weight and get healthy? Well, you cannot do that without a clean diet, and science has now spoken 100% grass-fed certified organic beef is one of the most nutritional options out there. Let AmericanFarmersNetwork.com provide the staples to your path to effortless weight loss and optimal health with their array of pasture-raised and certified organic meat. AFN's animals are raised, cared for, ranched, and harvested on small family farms, not corporate-sponsored industrial factories. Do not listen to faux science regarding meat and stop consuming animals that were likely infested with antibiotics, growth hormones, and grain-fed diets. Humane lifestyles for the animal mean an even more healthy lifestyle for you, and that's why AFN's animals ate right so you could too. Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and begin or continue your journey to peak physical fitness today. Woj, first off, congratulations, and secondly, welcome into Celtics Beat. Larry, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Pleasures are, Adrian. It is certainly goes without saying that basketball fans are quite familiar with you, providing your audience with exclusive and cutting-edge information, and also some of the most provocative and thoughtful opinionated columns. That seems to get lost in the shovel with you. Anyways, fans have certainly got to know you very well because of your work over the years. And this prior Friday, January 29th, you debuted your website, The Vertical. Again, for our audience, sports.yahoo.com slash Woj, sports.yahoo.com slash Woj. I know much of our audience has already bestowed themselves with the content there, not just with the written staff, with some of the most well-known NBA insiders, front office members, but also the audio and video content as well. Seems to me that you want to take starved NBA fans who crave this kind of information even closer to the action and NBA lifestyle. So I don't want to steal any more of the time that we have you here, Adrian. The floor is yours, man. Tell us firsthand what we can expect in the now and immediate future at the vertical. Oh, thanks, Larry. I mean, I, I do. And I think that, you know, the vertical, our, our goal is to be the NBA hub of, of, of news, information, and storytelling. And, and those come in a lot of 
different forms. I mean, we built, you know, certainly our, our, the backbone of our work at Yahoo has been built around the news and building out from the news, breaking news, analyzing the news, and, and, and uh, taking people behind the scenes of the what and the why, you know, why things happen. And we're, we're certainly off to start doing that with the vertical. Um, you know, we, we have a great group, um, I think that really complements each other well. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of different forms of storytelling and going behind the scenes, whether it's, you know, Michael Lee spending uh, a couple days in coaches' meetings and, and practices with the Denver Nuggets and uh, telling a story from, you know, outside of there to, you know, I did a piece at the very beginning on our debut day on Chris Epps Porzingis and the behind the scenes of the process that led him to end up being selected by the Knicks fourth. And it was really a process that went back a couple of years from when he pulled out of the draft two years ago um, and then obviously entering the draft uh, this past year. Uh, you know, podcasting, we've uh, Chris Mannix, who obviously Celtic fans are very familiar with, um, you know, on the Celtic telecasts and, and, and his, his work at Sports Illustrated. You know, Chris will be a, you know integral writer for us. He's got a piece on Dwight Howard uh, that posted on Friday. But uh, having Chris uh, podcasting along with JJ Reddick, which is you know really a trailblazer in this medium, an active and an active pro athlete, never mind an NBA player, who's doing a weekly podcast. Uh, he's got a great guest coming up on Monday uh, of this week. I don't want to give it away yet, but uh, a terrific, uh, a real interesting interview that I already got a chance to hear. And so uh, I think we have something for everybody in, in our draft analysis. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni is in Europe now. Uh, you know, filing reports on players who are going to be first-round picks in this year's draft, um, detailed scouting reports, and certainly will be all over college basketball in that area. But um, I'm excited. I, I'm excited to, um, you know, with a vertical to be able to, uh, you know, take a vision and a way of covering the NBA and, and, and bringing people up close uh, every day. I, I think that we want to be a must read for people every day. And, you know, we're built around reporting. We're built around information and feel like if you want to know the pulse of what's going on in the league, if you want to know not only what's happened, but what's coming. Uh, I wrote a piece on Kevin Durant and the fact that he is very intrigued with the Warriors and free agency if he were to leave Oklahoma City. And, and that's a part of how we're going to do it is, is not just tell you what and what, what happened and why it happened, but, but what may be coming and, and being out ahead of things. And so, I'm excited. I'm excited about um, our start and the group we have and, and, and building uh, building the vertical out. I think it goes without saying. I think almost all the NBA audience is even more excited, and I definitely want to get into that Durant piece as well as J.J. Reddick's and Chris Mannix's podcast later on the show. You forgot to mention some of Chris's accomplishments. Three-time guest on this show, as a matter of fact. But I want to go back to the remark you made a few minutes ago about how the vertical, the mission is to be the hub of NBA news. There was a great feature, I believe, that ran on the big lead a few days about ago about how even the biggest of corporate media outlets, not just sports, but, I mean, we'll stick with sports since that's what we're familiar here with, have really actually, sad to say, have reverted into being almost dumping grounds for links and aggregated stories. Suffice to say that is not the case with what we're hearing from you about the vertical and what we've seen in the first few days and now weeks now since its debut. Do you think there's value in today's market for trying to regain an organic audience and attempt to do that where you can rather than talk to an audience but rather communicate with an audience? 
No, there's no question, Larry. It's, you, you will not see aggregation on our page. You will not see. We are going to advance the story. We're going to report it. We're going to break news. Uh, we're going to tell stories first. Uh, that has a tremendous value. And I believe that if you can give people information that they can't get anywhere else, uh, you have value, you have relevance. And, but that's a challenge every day to be able to do that. That's what makes, that's what allows you to be a difference maker. That's what will allow us ultimately, hopefully, to stand out from, uh, listen, there's a lot of great content out there and other, uh, other places we compete against. There's never been more talent in this, uh, never more original reporting in this business. But obviously, there is a lot of uh, aggregation also. I get it. Uh, that's not what we're going to do on the vertical, and that's not what our mandate is. And, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be built around, um, you know, we want to drive the news cycle. We want to drive it and then build off of it. And so that's important to get things first and, and more importantly, get to get them accurately. Uh, but uh, the business has changed, and what we're doing, you know, it demands to do it the way we're doing it at the vertical demands, the kind of staff we have, uh, the kind of um, – you know, the, just a group, uh, Sham Shanaria, who's our uh, young reporter we have, who's going to be, a, who's already a very, uh, who, who's already a, another former guest super, on the show. Yeah, and, and a super newsbreaker, and and Shams is going to develop in a lot of different ways for us. Uh, but yeah, those are all important elements, and and the business has changed; it is changing. And uh, but I still think, though, I'm I'm a big believer, and I think I'm proof of it that if you can give people information, data, news, storytelling that they can't get anywhere else, uh, you will you will be able to thrive in, in the market. Yeah, it's very interesting now. It seems like ancient history where we used to log on to our favorite websites back in the day and you know search around for news. Now we're so used to having just Facebook or Google just deliver it to us. And while we think that's very easy and efficient, that has, in a way, Twitter especially is sort of watered down sort of how we get news and it becomes headlines and who can create the craftiest headlines. So I'm really excited about the vertical having it as a mission to actually try to gain an organic audience. A lot of people who listen to this show find content regarding the Celtics appealing, and there is definitely a lot of content appealing to Bostonians. Mentioned Chris Mannix, the first vertical show, featured an exclusive one-on-one with Paul Pierce. Brian Scalabrini, another, another former guest on this show, <laughs> you just had on a recent show yourself and will be featured in the White Mama Minute. Can go on all day about a cascade of high-quality podcasts, uh, shorts, great one done recently, and for our listeners of this broadcast to efficiently receive all the great content information delivered to you directly by Woj and his immensely talented staff at The Vertical. You can go to The Vertical on Twitter at The Vertical or simply like The Vertical on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Vertical Woj. But I just saw earlier in the week, and you mentioned it just recently, J.J. Reddick doing his own show with former Boston College product Jared Dudley. Of course, all these shows are available on the norms, such as iTunes and Stitcher. Anyways, we got an active NBA player, as you mentioned, doing a show available on The Vertical, and many, myself included, knew that sometime in something like this, this was going to be a possibility for the longest of time. Tell me, without possibly intruding your future business plans here, everyone such as noted names throughout our global society, they now have direct mediums to anyone and everyone at any time, any place. Heck, you know, a LeBron James tweet is worth roughly $120-some thousand dollars. Lord can only imagine what a 30-minute LeBron podcast would garner or a YouTube show. 
But because of this, I ask you as a veteran journalist like yourself and now a visionary entrepreneur, what do you feel the role of the media will now be as the information age progresses here? Like, we've got to live in the real world here. And the fact, you're right, players, uh, teams can go directly. You know, you, you'll see them bypass the traditional media outlets. Um, listen, I, I think J.J. brings value to our audience. He brings a perspective and you know, from, you know, the interviews he's doing, his perspective on how he sees the league and the conversations he can have with guests, that they're not conversations I can have or Chris can have. You know, my, my you know, our goal is to bring, um, is to provide, you know, for our audience unique perspectives, um, uh, you know, an ability to, um if it's somebody or something that I think people have would have an appetite for, um, it, it's got a place here. And so, uh, I, JJ is really serious about this. And you know, we had meetings and conference calls, and you know, met with our sales staff at, at Digital Media uh, before this. And 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 he knows, you know, like if you know, and he said it himself, like you know, an hour of prep a week, and then an hour, you know, roughly to to do the podcast beginning to end. And it's not going to take an incredible – he's got plenty of help on it, lots of people to help him with it. It's not cutting into his day job, that's for sure. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, to have someone as serious-minded as he is who really sees this, who enjoys the format, who uh, has something to say, and he has a, the curiosity that you want in a reporter or a host, J.J. has that, and that's part of who he is. And so it makes him a good interviewer. Uh, and so for us, it's – tremendous to have him here uh to have him on the vertical and to have his podcast and you know he's going to be able to get guests and access to people that um is unique I i'm excited to see how that grows he's already number one in itunes uh after one in after one show with with jared dudley yeah that was a great interview itself and obviously as we know boston bostonians himself it seems like eons ago but jared dudley spent four years of his life in boston after being in san diego i want to shift a little bit and still stay on the vertical though i read longtime league exec bobby marx's trade deadline primer just the one on the celtics but that was featured on the vertical back on fridays he's going through a few teams here had some interesting breakdowns on some of the Celtics' assets when discussing Brooklyn's pick this year. He talked about how that's pretty much off the table unless Boston can acquire a top-ten talent at the moment. However, mm -hmm. under the current environment, there really seems to be not one that is obtainable due to circumstances with their current teams. And recently, many of the Celtics' executives themselves, not just Danny Ainge himself, but they've conducted a slew of interviews with outlets of the local media here in Boston in recent days. And many of them seem to all be talking about even an enhanced value of draft picks, possibly resigned to the fact that a transformative move, that is their adjective, not mine. Are they just resigned to the fact that this transformative move is not available in this climate? It almost seems like they're gearing up for that. Yeah, I, I think they are trying to prepare people to not get their hopes up here that somehow um... – you know, Savior's going to come rolling in here at the trade deadline. I, I think the hard part is if you're going to get that kind of a player, typically, A, he's a player who's unhappy so, because somebody usually doesn't want to trade that player. You know, very few people want to trade. You're always trying to get that guy. You don't want to give him away when you have him. So usually it's a circumstance where somebody is coming to the end of their contract and they want out or they say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to resign with you this summer. You better get something for me. And then they want to be traded to a team who can give them the full five years. That situation doesn't really 
exist out there right now. And I think the one thing for Danny Ainge is he's been cautious about it. He's not going to cash in all those assets for somebody to just cash them in. It's got to be somebody who is a difference maker. You know, that player may never come down the line. They may have to continue to build uh, the way they have, which is through the draft, uh, you know, be opportunistic in free agency. You've seen them add some players here, you know, this summer um, who, you know, help them in the short term uh, and maybe will be long-term fits. And uh, so, yeah, I think there's a chance that player just isn't there. I mean, I think there was hope that, you know, Kevin Love would somehow become available and be moved and that's not going to happen. But, you know, Kevin Love is not going to, is he a top 10 NBA player? I, I, I think some of us thought he was in Minnesota. And now I think those questions are a lot different. I, I don't know that, uh, listen, I think Boston has had a great interest in Love in, in Kevin Love. And I think they would, they would, you know, be eager to do a deal for him, but he's not available. He's not available to him. And obviously they tried briefly in free agency until Love decided to go back to the Cavs. So, it is going to be hard for them, but but there's no question they're trying to be real creative out there. You know, Blake Griffin's a player. Would if you know if the Clippers decided at some point to trade Blake Griffin, if they don't win this year, and I reported this, if they don't win, or, or if they don't, I don't think they have to win a title, but if they don't feel like they've made another step, and they've got to make a decision on their future, uh, you know, Griffin could become available, and that's a player obviously that you, if you're the Celtics, you'd say, okay, that's a difference maker, and, and you'd look at him, but. Those guys are very few and far between, and they very rarely become available uh, for a trade. So it's you know they're all it's always an uphill climb with what Boston's trying to do here. But they have the ability here to keep building the way they're building. You know they they never bottomed out. They, they stayed here. You know last year they were an eighth seed. This year they'll be better than that. And uh, they've got a core of young guys that they're building around and trying to develop and. So either you develop them for yourself or you develop them for that big deal that's coming. That you know, Kevin Garnett's an example. They're looking for that. Garnett was the exact kind of situation that they're looking for, and, and who's going to be that? And they have the assets at the time to do it. Uh, is that kind of player going to become available to them? Right now, he, he's not. But up a great point in regards to Blake Griffin, and obviously listeners can go check that out on the Woj Report as well on the vertical as well. But when you're talking about players that are tough to come by, top talents that are on the market, how much do you think that it is the new CBA? Because I look at the Eastern Conference, and you can go from three on ten down where every single one of those teams feels as if they're one or two lucky breaks away. Is that really why teams have been so stingy in terms of holding on to their players as opposed to ten years ago it seemed like every five months, every two months, a Garnett was on the market, a Gasol was on the market, an Amari Stoudemire was on the market, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I think that what's changed, too, is players realize that there's a greater – the way the new CBA works, there's a greater advantage to staying where you are. You can get paid much more money where you are. Uh, um, you know, you, 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 you've got to give money up in free agency to leave, generally. Um, if a team's willing to match you out where you are, uh, you, you're going to have to take less to go somewhere else. Um, we haven't seen that happen too much. So Marcus Aldridge did do it, um, but fairly rare. And I think that players realize, too, that being in the big market is not the end all anymore. Being in L.A., New York, you know, Chicago, um, that you can get big shoe endorsements. Kevin Durant can get, you know, a massive um, Nike deal in Oklahoma City. LeBron James, obviously 
can get a, you know, a massive deal in Cleveland. They, they don't have to be in Chicago or L.A. And while the shoe companies would probably prefer that you – listen, the shoe company would prefer you were in L.A. or New York and winning. But if you're not winning in those places, it is – they want you – you've got to be in the playoffs. You've got to be winning. Your, your image has to be that of a winning player. And so you're better, they're, they're, they're fine with you being in those smaller markets. Listen, all things being equal, it's always better. If it's going great, yes, there's an advantage to the bigger market. But when the Lakers are, are being run poorly and, and it's not a good organization and, and they don't like going there is not appealing to players. And so, uh, you know, Boston is, uh, you know, again, so, so a lot of these guys, they'll stay in a smaller market, take their five-year mags deal. There's not the race and the influx and the, like, I've got to get to New York. I've got to get to L.A. We've seen it. That's not happening. And guys aren't doing that. And, and I don't think that's going to happen this summer. And I, now, I, I think New York is more attractive because of Porzingis and that they've got the ship. Um, you know, they've, they've got a young player they can build around. And Now, Carmelo Anthony, as he gets up in his 30s, if he's your third-best player and, you know, you could go out and get a big free agent, a big free agent point guard or, or whatever, however you want to add to that team, and then as Carmelo ages here, you don't need him to be your best player. You don't need him to be your second-best player. If, if Carmelo can be your third-best player moving into his 30s here, now you've got something. Now you've got a team you know, that's a real contender. Um, and, and so I think the Knicks become more appealing. I'm not sure the Lakers have that guy yet to, um, that is going to draw people there. I, I, I think D'Angelo Russell is still young, and, and, and he might become that guy, but, but he's People aren't sure yet that that he is. Yeah, it's very interesting you mentioned about the situation about the Lakers. You had, as you mentioned previously in this interview, you had a big featured story of the week on the vertical. Was a column on the possibility of Kevin Durant joining the defending world champion and 70-plus win pace Golden State Warriors this summer. It's funny because you mentioned the Lakers. When you first dropped it, it was days after a head-scratching story was released about Kevin Durant joining the Lakers, who are the second-worst team in the league. But when you first dropped it on sports.yahoo.com slash Woj, everyone was shocked, horrified. And I actually even said it myself back on a recent unfiltered show on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel back in December. Like, isn't this a very legitimate possibility? And here we are in the first week of February. You are saying yes. It, it is. And the Warriors, um, listen, they've been planning for this one for since even before they won the title. They knew uh, financially what they have to do, the – the salary cap uh, machinations that have to happen to get the max slot, they can do it easily. Um, and Kevin Durant knows they are. And Kevin Durant and, and the Warrior players, you know, I, I, won't be, I won't be surprised if some recruiting is going on in Toronto this weekend or next weekend at uh, the All-Star game. Uh, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, these guys are all behind it. They're, they, they, um, uh, those guys uh, want to win. They see, obviously, a guy who can come in and, and and maybe take them to even another level, which is unbelievable when you think <laughs> about it. Win team. Yeah, and so, uh, but Kevin Durant, if listen, I'm not saying he's leaving Oklahoma City because, and as I said in the story, he's little. I, I really believe this about him. There are a lot of free agents. Some guys are looking for reasons to leave, and some guys are looking for reasons to stay. He's a guy who looks for reasons to stay. Now that doesn't mean he's going to, but. They're going to get every opportunity to keep him with the Thunder, and he may very well stay there. He can do, obviously, a much bigger deal with them. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got decisions to make. And then Russell Westbrook has decisions to make a year later. So um, those are all going to factor in. But 
the one thing that I am fairly certain of, in, certainly in Kevin Durant's mind and around him and his group, is the idea of leaving to go to a team that is not set up to win right away is not appealing. That he's 27, he needs to win championships. That's where he needs that. That's the goal for him to elev- to have a legacy here and to do what every great player needs to do in his career. And the idea of going somewhere where they're not at that level yet, and he can make a team a contender by himself, but he can't make a team a champion by himself, and, and that, that's obvious. And uh, no one player can. So uh, the Warriors are very much in this mix. They're they're on his mind um, as he starts as he's looking at the landscape, and it, it's a very real possibility. And he'd be a perfect fit too. It's almost frightening. It's it just I you just think about like. Well, if the Golden State Warriors could have one player at any player in the league, who would it be? And you would actually initially name just Kevin Durant if you want to name that player being like the quote-unquote perfect fifth. be frightening how good they'd be. There's no question. And, and his unselfishness, and I think that groups – it's an unselfish group. I mean, the fact that and – and I wrote this in the piece on the vertical – the fact that Draymond Green, who would probably be the guy with the most to lose, he's become an all-star this year, like he's the guy who maybe has to take – you know, a backseat a little bit to done that his uh, whole career, coming in. Yeah, and, and the fact, though, that, like, he's broke, broken through. He's an all-star this year. He got a max deal or a little less than a max deal last summer. Um, you know, he, he's a star. He's become a star in this league. And Kevin Durant, but the fact is he only cares about and, – and, and Draymond said it to me, and we were talking in general, not necessarily just about Durant, but he's like, hey, we, we don't care here who gets the shots. We don't care about numbers this group's always been about winning and, and there's no better illustration that, than that, than the fact that I know that green is going to be, he's wide open to if, if they have a chance to get the rant, he's a hundred percent behind it. And that, that wouldn't be the case in every team. Guys would say, Hey, that guy's going to come in and take away some of my individual um, luster and, and my individual opportunity within the group. And, and uh, hey, we're doing fine without him. And the fact that that group doesn't see it that way, it, it says a lot about that. Before I get you out of here, I've been getting a few tweets from some of our listeners. They're haggling on me that I haven't asked you enough Celtics questions. So before we get you out of here, I'm going to have to get you on one. And especially how way back yonder in this interview, we talked about link aggregation and sort of he- catching headlines on Twitter. And recently, it seems like a, regarding the Celtics, a few of their trade rumors have been about almost enhancing headlines and generating talk on some of the radio. And because of it, there's been a lot of names they've been linked to. How much of these names have they linked to, be it, say, Gallinari or Dwight Howard, even Al Horford, how much of these names have they been linked to as, you know, just a casual conversation on the phone between two you know, general managers or executives or that there's legitimate, serious, ongoing discussions and deals and offers yeah, I, being traded back and forth? I, I think that's – and you, 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 you framed it perfectly, Larry. Listen, any GM who's doing his job is calling about every guy. If you're being the you're calling and you're getting calls because people know – and so – there's a big difference between uh, a conversation that's just, what would you want for that guy? Oh, you'd want that? Okay, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Then, well, what would you be willing to pay for that guy? Well, okay. Like, that goes on every day, all day. And like I always say, like, there's not enough room on the Internet for me to report everything that I hear or know. To me, there becomes a threshold where I feel the conversation's real, and that's when I report it. There, there's a million of these going on. I talk to GMs that they just – they don't, to me, and I'm not saying these do, these have or haven't, but, like, listen, there's a great player and you know he's available, and you, like, of course being just talk about them to see, like, that doesn't mean 
Danny Ainge is willing to get up his whole war chest for Dwight Howard. But what if he could get Dwight Howard on the cheap? Then he's got to look at it, right? Then he's got to decide, do I want to bring him in, all those things. What would it cost? Uh, you know, do I want to resign him going forward? How much do I want to resign him for? Oh, does he want to be here? Would he want to resign with us? I mean, there's a million questions that go on beyond that. So, like, for me, I try to have a threshold of where I, I begin to report on these. There's a million conversations going on that I'm generally aware of. But I don't feel like, A, I don't want to alert my competition that they're going on. And so I feel like if they get more serious and then I jump in on them and report on them. But, you know, like, I don't know what the exact – it's kind of like I know it when I see it or I know it when I hear it. I don't know the exact moment I say, okay, it's time to start that I'm going to dig in on this one. But I just think there's a million of these going on at any given time. And it isn't incorrect to say that they, quote, unquote, talked about a guy – but it's probably incorrect to say that like it's got traction and it's moving towards something. And, and to me, if, if I start putting all those out, then the perception becomes, Oh, you wrote about all these talks that never happened. You were wrong. No, you weren't wrong. They were talking, but as you know, very often talks do not lead to deals. In fact, in 99% of the time talks do not lead to a deal. That doesn't mean there haven't been conversations. And so you just sort of have to weigh, how far down the road you think the thing is based on your conversations with the people involved. And, uh, but um, listen, Ainge in Boston will be involved. You'll hear their name with lots of guys because Danny's doing his job and Mike Zarin and Austin Ainge, they're on the phones. They're doing their job. They're going to check just because they're calling a guy doesn't even mean necessarily that they have a huge interest in him. It might be, well, maybe I could get them at, um, you know, maybe we could get them at a low you know, for a low cost, and he's worth bringing in. We don't have to give up much. It's almost uh, like Isaiah so, Thomas last year. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example, and that, that deal came together really late, uh, you know, at, that tra- at the trade deadline. Um, but, uh, no, but I think that, um, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Boston's – listen, Danny is not afraid to be aggressive. He's not afraid to take a chance. Um, you know, he's not – he doesn't fear for his job. What I admire about Danny is, uh, among a lot of things, what I admire is he does not do the job scared, and he doesn't do it defensively. A lot of guys, they're worried about what the public perception is going to be in that job. How are fans going to react to this deal? Um, am I going to get, you know, am I going to get crushed if I make this trade or sign this player, draft this guy? Danny doesn't care about any of that. Now, part of it is. Like I think very few GMs have the security he has. He is he's going to be the Celtics GM, barring something unforeseen. He'll be the Celtics GM as long as he wants to be. And I can't think of many guys in the league I could say that about. And it's because of what you know. He won a championship. He got to Game Seven of another. He he you know he's achieved at a high level with what he's built in Boston. And 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 ownership trusts him, and the fans trust him, and you know. Um, you know, Brad Stevens, for him to come to the NBA with Danny Ainge, he had, he had cover. Danny's always going to give Brad cover. Now, he hasn't needed it. He's achieved and he's done very well. Um, but he's the kind of guy you want to work for, and he's the kind of guy that you, as an owner, you know, you want to have out there because he's, you know, he's aggressive and, and he's he puts the work in, he's out scouting. Um, and so Boston's in a good position. they just got to figure out a way here to – take the next step. It might be a longer process than people want it to be, 
Um, you know, Kevin Garnett doesn't come in a trade every day. It's, it's only been two years. It. It's amazing yeah. the kind of patience, too, um, mm-hmm. that fans have. It's a longer process. I mean, it, last time from 03 to 07, it took five, and the five seemed like it took ten because there were some really, really bad years in those five years. Yeah. Now, fans, I mean, they were in the playoffs last year. I mean, I know they got swept, and it wasn't that great, but it's still a vaguely competitive team again this year. It's not like you're being dragged through the streets of Fallujah here as a fan, so... <laughs> No, I mean it is no, like it's it's yeah. just the excruciating yeah. process. Yeah, try try to try being a Nets fan right now, right? Well, you there's, know, an, there's another with, team. There's another team down I ninety five. I don't really want to mention them. <laughs> right. But last question to your educated guest: Is that probably what is going to happen with the Celtics? They're going to make some sort of incremental move that gets them a little bit better, where they can sort of poach someone for incredible value like they did last year, where it was just mm-hmm. a an expiring contract and a little late first round pick to get Isaiah Thomas. I throw in Greg Monroe's. I hate trade ideas, by the way. I know it generates so much in talk radio and all the talk shows and Twitter and trade ideas. I throw in Greg Monroe's name around because only because I, I like the guy a lot, and I think he could be a, a, a Isaiah Thomas-like acquisition where you get him from a team where he signed there in free agency and he's not really fitting in technically. I think you can get him for cheap. Is that really the kind of move the Celtics would be looking at? Well, I think that's a – that's even a blank. Somebody of Greg Monroe's stature, I think that might even be. I don't know if we're going to play that good. I, I don't even know if Milwaukee's willing to trade him. Uh, but uh, you're right. I, I think incremental is probably the word. I mean, the odds would be that it will be incremental. That doesn't mean something big isn't going to come down the pike here. It could, but usually it doesn't. And uh, But um, these things are very hard to I, – I never like to predict. People say, is this going to be a busy trade deadline or a slow one? I, I never know. Like – like we don't. There've been know, some dead ones like one or two, two three years ago. To trigger a bunch of others, and I don't know if those one or two are going to happen. Like Marquise Morris this year. Like once he's moved, then that starts to trigger. Okay, the teams who didn't get Morris now go to okay. Well, now we're going to go after this guy or this guy, and it it starts to trigger things. I I just think that uh, these things take on a life of their own. I I'm not smart enough to really know how. There are going to be a lot of – there's always lots of talk this time of year. Every year you could say, hey, there's lots of talk. I think there could be lots of deals. And lots of talk doesn't always equate to lots of deals. And sometimes where it doesn't feel like there's a lot happening, and then in the last – and then all of a sudden you get the deadline last year where all those deals happened and 10% of the league gets traded, you know, on the trade deadline day. So that's the fun of this, right? It's, it's, it, we'll see how it unfolds, and, and there's no question that the Celtics will be in the middle of it all. Adrian Wojnarowski, the vertical at Yahoo Sports, NBA insider, entrepreneur, and now fellow podcaster. You can follow Adrian on Twitter at Woj Vertical NBA. Of course, you probably already do. Woj, was a pleasure, my man. Larry, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Again, Adrian Wojnarowski of the vertical, which is rocking and rolling almost 24-7 right now, and legitimately 24-7, which I know international NBA fans enjoy. But this is just this past week alone, Woj broke stories regarding Jeff Hornacek's firing or the latest on George Carl in the wee hours of the night. And we didn't even get around to the Carl talk because there was just almost too much to talk about regarding the vertical and how it's uniqueness from other outlets of the media and our talk about the Celtics and other various NBA comings and goings, which if you listen to the interview – That all tied into each other there. There was a lot of talk this past week. It started very early in the week. Some of it I find frustrating. 
not the trade rumors itself, but the reactions to them by the greater portions of the NBA audience. I thought Woj did an exceptional job really laying out for the audience of this show how to decipher through a lot of these so-called reports. I know a new and very creative way for a lot of reporters, and some of them are not even reporters, by the way, just people who have Twitter accounts. But now a little creative way to generate interest is to report something like Team X and Team Y, quote, have discussed, end quote, a deal for really good player Z. And that little have discussed, that's very crafty. It could be nothing more than a courtesy call placed by either team, and a name was thrown out there that fans recognize. Therefore, they go ahead and attach it to teams, and there you go. Someone throws a little nugget out there. Anywhere on the internet, that's all that's needed. Now, here's where that process begins. Once that's out there, a few sources of the media, be it mainstream or alternative, the blogs, whatever, they jump on it, they slap report on a headline, and they make it a headline as crafty as possible. And that headline makes you want to simply retweet it to your followers or share it amongst your friends on Facebook without even reading the article. And then your friends and followers start doing the same thing, and then it travels from there. And then the outlets pick it up because they know that generates page views. And because all these outlets are then picking up the very exact same story, and I use quotes around story because it may not even be just that, but because they all pick it up, it then leads more and more fans to believe that all of this action is going down. There's more and more fuel being added to these fires. The talk shows pick it up. And then by this time, especially this time of the year, by the way, February, we got the Super Bowl tonight. And as we know, once that goes, there's absolutely nothing of true significance happening in the sporting world. Once that's out of here, there's all sorts of airtime to fill on these shows. And then there are more and more of these so-called white-hot rumors being discussed. Because you, as a fan, as an observer of NBA basketball, because you see it everywhere, then you are more and more inclined to believe that there's like this legitimate deal out there that suits both teams. And a lot of times, there's just not. Things are going great here for the Boston Celtics. They've won 8 of 9, coming off that huge win on Friday against the Cavs. And they have a very winnable game today against Sacramento before the schedule toughens up this week. And when the team goes out west after the All-Star break, things are going well now. But if and when the team loses three out of four, as Rich Connie so eloquently pointed out in the Facebook group, you'll then see fans, all right, why, Jesus, why didn't Danny Ains pull the trigger on that Howard trade? When sometimes it may not really, a, a deal may not have gotten that far where any of the teams could have pulled the trigger on it. But you know, there are a few weeks before the deadline here. So obviously things can change. Things evolve from certain points. Talks can heat up. And as Woj said, they do have to evolve from something. That is why I am very excited about the vertical here. It is the original content, which is something we've gotten further and further away from here as social media continues to grow. Algorithms on search engines can now deliver content to you based on the data they've accumulated on you. They can gear it for you. So now gone is doing things the old-fashioned way, even the old-fashioned way on the internet. Who remembers logging on to ESPN.com, the Boston Globe's website, the same way we used to pick up the newspaper and read around, maybe read what the opponents were saying on other websites, other blogs even. But now everything is delivered to us, and we think it's wonderful because it's so easy. But so much of it is delivered based on the traffic some of the sources have already generated. And since the new decade here, we have seen the biggest of corporate media outlets one that the common American believes are credible, as pointed out in this feature that I mentioned with Woj that ran on the big lead, 
Even the biggest outlets are cutting corners. They're taking shortcuts at every imaginable opportunity to save money and maximize revenue. So because you see some headline from three or four letter network X, you think, oh, well, I saw it here and I saw it there. Wow, that's a huge story. It came from this place. And we all know that's a a great source of news. But in fact, that very well could have likely been written by some unpaid college intern who then went ahead and infused the whole thing with SEO steroids. So it's very exciting for me. And I know for others who are huge basketball fans, to see someone like Adrian Wojnarowski, a veteran journalist himself, and someone who's proven to have tremendous respect for his craft and tremendous respect for what the primary purpose of journalism is really taking a lead here and re-emphasizing the value of, I mean, I hate this type of phrase, but the value of quality over quantity. I'm not going to lie, as a basketball fan, that's why I've been doing the show every week for the last four years, to really exemplify the fact that I am a fan of this. I've already set sports.yahoo.com slash Woj as my homepage because it's entirely twofold. A, looking at it as a basketball fan, wanting to become more informed. Just in what it's been, the 10 days since it's released here, the content already, in my eyes, infinitely supersedes almost all that is out there. And B, the success and coming success of an entrepreneurial venture like this will, I hope, I pray, and some of the most appalling practices nowadays in all aspects of the media. As Abraham Lincoln once said, you can fool some of the people all of the time. You can fool all of the people some of the time. But you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. And I'm not being fooled when it comes to what's going on here, and it hurts me when I see my fellow countrymen continue to be fooled, even if it is something as harmless and as trivial as freaking NBA basketball. But why am I going on about this? Why do I feel this bad? Okay, in the sporting world, this is not really detrimental outside. It frustrates people like me seeing that there are still some very ignorant portions of society and some people that may be infested with ADD. But in the sporting world, it is not a life-threatening issue. Like, what's the worst that's going to come out of this? Certain players are upset that they may be hearing their names in trade rumors when they thought they were as a different type of relationship they felt they had with their coaching staff or front office, and either they or the agent have to go to the coaches or the executives and go, hey, what the hell is going on here, guys? And then the team has to further explain the situation. That is an uncomfortable, of course, yes, but this is sports. However, this happening in the basketball world and the sports media, this serves as a microcosm and just an example of how it can actually go down in other aspects and real and far more serious aspects of life if it hasn't already. I wrote a featured piece about this on CLNSRadio.com where I spoke to many longtime Boston sports media members around this time last year. It's in the archives under my name if you want to check it out on the website. But let's say there's this type of stuff that happens because of some arsonist out there in the dark corners of the internet manipulating some story that may offend a group of people or offend a group of people that may be enemies of this country. Then it goes through that same process that many of these headline-grabbing basketball stories do. Social media spreading, retweeting the headlines, outlets pick it up because other outlets grab grab it, more and more jump in, and then because it's quote-unquote all over the internet, it must be a huge story, so we've got to talk about it on the shows. Lo and behold, you can then piss off a group of people so much or you start spreading information that can be twisted in some ways that enemies of America may feel they are being threatened, so therefore they have to act. And yes, let's end it there. Lives would then be at stake. This is a national security issue. 
This is an issue of national security. So if there's ever a way to close a show on a more darker note than that, I do not recall finishing in such a manner in the 143 times this show has aired. But as I've always said, to quote a great mind, the ends justify the means. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat, a call to action to finish this show. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Project R, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, check us out on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical, as well as our sponsors, Casper and American Farmers Network for making this all possible today. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I am Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday with special guest Steve Smith of NBA TV for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.